0: You're listening to the Bride Chilla podcast, helping bride chillers and groom chillers plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time.
1: This is the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. I am Alicia and I am delighted today to be talking about feminism, something I think we should talk more about because you are all feminists listening to this program. Why? Well, if you're like me, you share the same values ethos that I do. You are connected, you believe in equality and today we're going to discuss how you can inject a bit of that, well a lot of that feminist sort of principles into your wedding. Here's some questions that I'd like you to think about. Why do men not wear engagement rings? Is it acceptable for bachelorettes to hit up strip clubs too? Why can't the groom change his last name instead of the bride? And why is everyone wearing white when no one is a virgin anymore? These are questions. I'm reading this directly off my wonderful guest's web page today. The wonderful Katrina Mikit. She runs thefeministbride.com and she is my guest. I'm so happy to have you finally on the show, Katrina. Thank you for coming.
0: Oh, thank you. This is wonderful. I'm happy to hear there are other feminist brides out there
1: oh my gosh, all my bride chillers are feminist brides. Even if they wouldn't say they are, by the end of the show, they're going to go, oh,
0: yeah, of course I am. Yeah. Absolutely. That sounds great.
1: <laughs> Can we just start, look, I've got so many questions about how you ended up creating this this blog because it's a fabulous blog. It's one of my favourite reads. I've shared lots of your uh, articles in the past and I also think that I connect with you on so many different levels of what I'm trying to do too in the podcast. I'm I'm going to struggle to ask this question without sounding like an idiot. Explain to my listeners why they're feminists, even if they don't think they are, which is silly.
0: Well, I think at the end of the day, the perfect wedding includes perfect equality. And that's unfortunately something that a lot of people don't consider. But the Mm -hmm. fact that a lot of brides will come across some controversy, things won't go smoothly, When that was happening to me, I wanted to know why, and I found out that my feminist ideals and my modern lifestyle just didn't match up with wedding culture. And so I kind of set out to find ways to make sure those two things flowed better together and The Feminist Bride was born, and I figured out how I could modernize a lot of traditions out there and wanted to share that with other beleaguered brides.
1: Oh, I love beleaguered brides. That's very great. And look, and I am so up for for either ditching traditions that don't have any relevance to you or recreating or moving on and and getting things that are actually of importance to living in 2016 or if you're listening to this, 2022, whenever you're listening to this, that has some sort of purpose. What are some of the, the traditions that particularly, you know, don't float your boat? <laughs>
0: um. Well, there's three that really kind of stick out to me. Um, One is the bridal shower. And that's because it still sort of reflects treating women as if they uh, still belong in the kitchen from the 1950s. And I don't think that's the case anymore. We're getting educations now. We're holding down careers. We should be giving more to the couple than just kitchenware. And part of this as well. The other one that kind of bothers me is the ring culture. You mentioned it earlier before. Like, why don't men wear engagement rings? It's just a complete double standard. And that kind of gets into issues of the wedding industrial complex, where why are we buying all this stuff to represent our commitment and love for someone else? Um, It's also men taking on that financial burden, and that actually connects to the wage gap. Um, And then the one that I really get on a soapbox about is bridal name change. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look into the history of... Like why brides take grooms' names most of the time. It's not very good. Oh my goodness. It has a lot to do with discriminating against unwed mothers and children born out of wedlock. And um, it really has sort of a sorted history to it.
1: I laugh then because I have to I have to admit to you, I use two names and I really struggled with this decision because I, I love my married name. I love my, my normal name. What am I, the name I was born with? What are we going to call that? A maiden name is the correct term, but I couldn't commit to, I just couldn't do it. (laughs) So in one way, I feel really happy that I can switch around and use it whenever I want. But in also in my feminist principles also, I'm like, well, I, you know, I've made a choice that I want to be a part of uh, our new family and create this together. But also my husband, which he certainly, he's like, name whatever you want to name. We can make a new name up. You know, I, I, I this is a really great conversation to have, and I love talking to you about this. And it feels like I'm having a bit of a counselling session because I think I should have thought about it more.
0: Yeah, like name change could be its own episode. There's just so much there. Like It, it gets really complicated, and I find that it's one of the top things that brides want to talk about and figure out um, when it comes to getting married.
1: What are you seeing? I'm going to be honest with you today. And I knew that we were going to do this, um, this interview, and I thought this would come up and I actually put an Instagram post up. And this is, if you're listening to this, we're obviously recording ahead of time, but I put up a question, just that, just that, will you be changing your name after the wedding? And I offered a tote bag in response to uh, to the question to one lucky bride chiller. And I have had the most responses I've ever had on an Instagram post from this question. I, I obviously won't have time to share some of these with you, but I will con- I will combine them all and do a post about them. But some of the responses have just blown my mind. It's great. It's one of those topics, as you said, people just really have an opinion about. And also, I think a lot of people are thinking about this now, which is so good because a lot of the times it would just be an automatic thing for people to go, oh, yeah, of course I'll take my husband's name. That's it.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the things when I started The Feminist Bride is that a lot of people asked me, um, you know, why do you bother getting married if you're a feminist, which I fell in love. I want to help take care of someone and they feel likewise. But the other thing I got accused of was hating tradition. I actually love tradition. Like I respect it so much that I want to learn about it. And that's not actually a common thing that occurs. A lot of people just tend to go with the flow. And I think at least in America here, there is a tendency um, to just respect what's handed down to. And I try to say, no, like if you're going to invest all this time and money and energy into something, why not? really get into the reason why you're doing it like you don't go out to buy a car without doing any research first it's it's the same financial commitment and time commitment
1: exactly and I think the questioning in in any sort of situation encouraging people to challenge why they're doing something is the best thing that we can do it's I think it's, it's a gift
0: yeah I mean just speaking as a former bride myself when I started researching and doing all finding out like, why am I having a wedding cake? You know, why am I having a bachelorette party? It made everything so much more meaningful than me just going through the motions of, oh, this is what's expected of me. This is what I'm told will make me happy and feel like a bride. Like it really gave context and meaning to everything that I did.
1: I love that you just mentioned about living in the States and people going with the flow. And we were, Rich and I were talking the other day about going, you know, I don't think I've said this before on the show, but 90% of my listeners are in the USA and it's just really taken off there. And I feel like it's because I, this is just a theory and I'd love to hear your response as well. Cause I think you've been, I'm sure you've got a lot of American readers as well, but maybe it's, we're popular because we do sort of take people on a bit of a journey outside the box of saying, Hey, maybe, think about something and question it a little bit more than the traditional wedding magazines who are all just spurting out the same shit over and over again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely (laughs) agree with that. Um, You know, just women are more educated than they were before. They're really invested in what they're doing and how they're developing their lives. Um, Mm. When it comes to weddings, like, I don't think that's any different. We had some
1: really great, um, recent guests on the show Meg from A Practical Wedding was on and again that was a very popular episode and I feel like we all share very similar ideals when it comes to planning a wedding that suits you not necessarily just your guests or something that was invented in 1827.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I came across a bride who was getting into really heated arguments with her mother over having a wedding cake. And my the bride just wasn't really into the idea of a wedding cake and her mother was like, "You absolutely have to have it. This is your wedding. It's not a wedding without a wedding cake." And she asked me to look into it and I was like, "I don't know, like it's just maybe it's just dessert." And it turned out that the wedding cake is not just dessert. The reason why you have it is it's one sexual fertility superstition from cutting the cake to sharing it with guests. It goes all the way back to Roman times. And I told her, unless you want kids, maybe a wedding cake is not for you. And like she, that kind of blew her away. And I think that kind of helped give her some good groundwork in terms of working with her mother and finding alternative desserts that didn't have the same type of symbolism to it. So the more you know, like the more kind of authentic and catered wedding you can have for yourself and your spouse or your fiance.
1: Now, I had never thought about a wedding cake as a fertility cake. Let's talk about that. We have to rewind (laughs) because I didn't. Oh, my God. Come on. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Well, so everything a cake is made out of from wheat, water and eggs are all fertility symbols. They're meant to... um, create prosperity and wealth, not just like financial wealth, but also like wealth of children. And like the Romans started that. It wasn't a traditional wedding cake. And you'd actually break it over the bride's head and the crumbs would bless her with good fertility. And that whole breaking the cake is why you ceremoniously cut the cake at a wedding today. And that actually represents breaking her hymen.
1: Listen to me gasping to go, vagina cake. Who would have ever thought about that?
0: Yeah, and then like the white wedding cake is all, you know, it's all connected to being a white virgin and sharing the cake is so other guests can have a little bit of that uh, fertile prosperity as well. Like there's pretty much nothing about the wedding cake that doesn't relate to sex.
1: So Okay, so we've got the wedding cake. The wedding dress is also a sexual virginity connection, although there's fifty different explanations, but that's how I believe it to be connected to that tradition. Is that right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It also is a class thing. Mm. So um like Queen Victoria made the white dress popular and there was no dry cleaning at the time. So for someone to afford a white dress, sans dry cleaning, like you were doing pretty well for yourself. You were the Joneses. <laughs> and, uh, yeah Because you started getting into um, kind of celebrity watching at that point in time through, like, newsprint. People wanted to do what she was doing, and so it became a popular, like, class statement to have a wife
1: class. She was the original. I was going to say the original Kardashian, but I don't think anyone's just ever really connected Queen Victoria and Kim Kardashian in one sentence, but I've just done that now. So there you go.
0: Oh, (laughs) the line of connection there, definitely.
1: I love that though. I'd never even thought about the fact that owning a white dress when you weren't, you know, having accessible washing facilities, no go. I mean, I have washing facilities and I'm awful in white things. So, you know, it's, it's just how it goes. Yeah. What are some of the other things? I'm sure my mind is being blown right now. I feel like we're on a roll now and we have to continue because I know bride chillers and groom chillers. I've got a lot of men that listen to this show as well are probably going, what the hell? What else have we connected to our vaginas and penises and all this other stuff connecting with uh, (laughs) our
0: big day? Unfortunately, it's everything. There's very little to do in a wedding that doesn't have to do with sex.
1: Which is fine, because we're all going to have sex, because hopefully that's what the point of you get married, you like each other very much, and you bone. That's what it's all about.
0: (laughs) Well, a lot of people practice that before the wedding, too. Don't forget that.
1: Of course. And so this is the weird thing, because, uh, look, there's probably a very minute, and actually I would say probably very few of my listeners uh, would be saying that they are not having sex before a wedding. Maybe they choose to not do that. Congrats. Uh but likelihood quite low in society now, especially people that are probably living in cities and I'm making huge generalizations here. But you know, living the sort of urban life, they're probably having lots of sex.
0: Oh, I I believe it's like the CDC here in the US that it's about five percent that uh abstain from sex before marriage. It's really low.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's this idea that we're going – I really felt quite strongly. I mean, Rich and I slept in the same bed the night before. We slept at the venue. I like seeing him the night before and going, good night. Tomorrow we're getting hitched. Congrats. And we were so exhausted from doing all the work. We certainly didn't have sex the night before. So the idea that, you know, we have to be separated because we couldn't be seeing each other, I find that a little bit silly. I get the romance behind it, but I'm also like, fine. Fine. I didn't connect that with any sort of bad luck. Is that, what do you feel about that?
0: So part of being the feminist bride is that I went through a lot of these traditional traditions um, just to say that I had experienced them and then to really create some constructive feedback on them rather than critique them without any firsthand experience. And so we did the whole separate bed uh thing before the wedding and it kind of there's this build-up I don't mind it it's kind of fun having already done that looking back I had to do it again I don't think it really matters I think it's really up to the couple and should not be dictated by anyone else as to what's appropriate for them
1: As should everything, as, you know, that's the whole thing. I think you should just be going, if you want to sleep next to each other, do it. If you want to sleep in the opposite end of the hotel, you could also do that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just
1: choose choose what you want to do. We are talking all about feminism and groom chillers. If you're listening, you're feminist too because you're going out or you're possibly marrying Really awesome feminist chicks. We're all feminists because we all want to be equal. That's basically what it comes down to. You are listening to the Save the Date Wedding podcast. I am interviewing the wonderful Katrina from thefeministbride.com. There'll be more marvels after this cakes and vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear my cakes and vaginas before that? I'm still blown away. I'd never thought about the wedding cake. Yeah
0: it's it's surprising once you start unfolding everything and learning more about the context to like why we do half the things that we do it's uh, it's shocking
1: it really is and I feel like I've been making this show for 15 months and I've done a little bit about tradition breaking I'm I think people would probably be aware that I'm very pro-choice when it comes to choosing traditions or Ditching them. But I had not really looked into the deep dark deaths, depths, that's a faux pas, depths of uh what some of this stuff means. Can we move on a little bit to what you uh what you advise? I mean, you you write on such a great broad scale of weddings and feminism and and generally looking at, you know, finding ways to inject your feminist. Ethos into your wedding day. What are some of the more simple, easy to do things that if you're if someone's listening right now going, Oh, I hadn't really thought of how to do this. I just hadn't really even entered my mind. What are some of the starter points that they can do to go, Yep, let's do it?
0: Well, I think it's really important if you're going to start off to consider a proposal as an equal opportunity event. Like there's barely any women. Proposals out there. Men are usually the ones who get down on one knee. And there's no reason for that today. Um, that's just stems from the fact that men earned more so they were able to control uh, their romantic destiny and women's destiny too, in that sense. Um, that said, if a guy does propose, it would be awesome if they could wear an engagement ring as well. You know, some of the ideas that I have to that is that someone actually proposes with the wedding bands and you wear them on your right hands before you get married. Um, that's to signify that you're engaged. And then when you get married, you can swap them over or, you know, to find some kind of man ring that is for an engagement, just like a women ring. Because I've had so many girlfriends who insist on wearing an engagement ring when they go out with the girls because they're worried that men are going to hit on them. Oh, my God. And then the thing is, their fiancés don't have anything to do the same. So there's this kind of one-sidedness when it comes to, you know, the meaning and symbolism behind the engagement ring. And I think it should be for everybody, not just one person.
1: Yeah, totes, double standards all the way.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that I really think about is just uh, tweaking language within wedding culture, um, I tried to do this for my own wedding, but something slipped by. Like my adventure and discoveries as a feminist bride kind of developed over time. And so I used the H and W word husband and wife in my ceremony. And Now I just really like spouse. Um, the word wife comes with a lot of connotations from history that I'm just not comfortable with. And I also don't kind of think I fit the mold of being a wife. And I kind of realized by using spouse it's much more in support of same sex marriage because you're not using pronouns that create gender divides and, and rules within marriage
1: yeah I mean I'm going to be honest with you I am very you know obviously this this podcast is for everyone i say more often than not, it's, you know, if someone says husband and wife, I'm like, well, you can be marrying a man and a man or a, a woman, and a woman. I don't really, you know, it's just absolutely open to everyone. And I always feel a bit Debbie Downer because I say bride chiller so much, but I know that my uh, same sex couple listeners are probably, I'm sure they're not offended by me saying that, but I do agree with you. We need to be shifting our mindsets and also our language to help, uh to help uh, for, as professionals from our point of view as well, to really help shift the ultimate change in media and 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 uh, the general population.
0: Yeah, I have a few couples um, that are in same-sex marriages, and they use husband and wife, and their use of those words kind of helps challenge like convention in that sense. But I'm a heterosexual, like I don't really have that privilege to use the words husband and wife to that same effect. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm much more comfortable with spouse.
1: Sure. What other things? I noticed one of your recent blog posts is talking about Ms and Mrs, and that always interests me because I never really know which box to tick. I mean, I'm, I'm married, so I've ticked the Mrs box. But even before when I was single or not married, I always found Miss really like, oh, fuck off with Miss. I don't want to be Miss. It just made me feel like a little girl, and I hated ticking that fucking box, so I would always tick Ms. But then it made me feel like an old Spencer, which is not true.
0: No, I mean, well, if you think about it, men use Mr. throughout their lives. It doesn't matter if they're six years old or they're 60. They're always Mr. because their identity is based on not their relationship. And when you use distinctions like Miss versus Mrs., you're creating this idea that a woman earns respect based on her relationship status.
1: Mm. I'm getting really angry. I know you're not supposed to make, I know this is not about Alicia getting angry, but I just felt really angry then. Oh, no, no, we're trying good to be way.
0: empowered.
1: But I felt angry and then I felt empowered and then I just wanted to make a T-shirt saying it's Ms, not Miss.
0: It yeah, just- and, and to go back to the sex thing, they're really just distinctions of whether or not a woman's had sex. So a Miss is supposed to be a virgin and a Mrs mm-hmm. is someone who has had sex. It's the whole idea of a maiden name. A maiden name, just like the term bridesmaid, Those are people who have not had sex, and then when you've had sex and you're married, then you become a bride matron and a missus. Let's just
1: start, let's just unpack that and go. I'm pretty sure most of our bridesmaids have all had sex,
0: yeah. So they're kind of misnomers at this point.
1: I like the term best lady. I'm trying to use my chiller, best lady, made chiller. We can work with those together,
0: yeah. I go with Ms. Now and uh, I still get Christmas cards and wedding invites that's to Mr. and Mrs. His Name and Mrs. So-and-so that's not me whatsoever. So it's kind of a long road. It's an old tradition. And it's hard to fight against, but I think it's totally worth it.
1: I was trying to think of the last time that, you know, we've received a card that says uh, Mr. Mister and Mrs. Richard Maddock. We've never really received riches in the room. Do you remember that, Rich? No. <laughs> no, we've never received that. <laughs> but uh, he, but I do remember, you know, that old school thing of reading it. My grandparents were at Christmas time. People would always sort of write Mr. and Mrs. McCormick, you know, like it was like it was always through my grandfather's name. So it's it's interesting how that's sort of evolving very slowly, very slowly, yet we still are using these old school ideas of wedding invitations where the parents are inviting people, even if they're not really inviting people. That to me still makes me go, what? What are we doing?
0: Yeah. I don't know if I've had advice <laughs> on that one. That's tough. It really comes down to who's paying gets to decide who gets invited. That's, that's just the politics of money in weddings.
1: Oh, well, look, I've got a few things to say about that. But I think it's the idea that this old school tradition is If where you're saying, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones would like to invite you to our daughter's wedding, and that's how I read that, and just go, look, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, yeah, you might be putting a bit of coin in the kitty. Who knows? Sometimes they're not putting coin in the kitty, and they're still being the people that are inviting people. I just think it's to go think about your choices. Is that necessarily the vibe you want to put out there with the wedding or not? I don't know. I'm throwing it out there.
0: That also has to do with a lot with finding a calligrapher or – Um, some kind of bridal source that's going to give you a a modern interpretation of what good card etiquette is. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people will just go with what's old school and not necessarily modern and good. Yeah,
1: you don't have to do swirly writing and your oldie language because no one really cares.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) I said that, you didn't say that. I don't want you to be eating my words. goals with the with your website because it's such a great blog you've really like as I said you cover so many different topics for someone to come and visit which they will no doubt today and learn more what do you want people to get out of it at the end of the game
0: Uh, I want them to get out the fact that they don't have to stick to convention and they don't have to worry so much about meeting other people's needs and demands. Um, Like there is a balance between respecting tradition and being a feminist. Like there's a way for the two to coexist. And I hope the site is also like a nice cathartic source for them. Um, So many people are frustrated by uh, what they're experiencing. And that doesn't have to be the case. There's plenty of brides out there that are you know, struggling to make sure that they're represented well, that their relationship is represented well. Um, you know, so many couples claim to be equals, and then when they follow through with a lot of these social practices, uh, they're very, there creates a hierarchy, you know, and the feminist bride tries to even out that hierarchy so everyone's treated equally. Um, I try to be a lot more intersectional with the website. Of course, there's, tons more that I can do in that respect. And I'm looking for guest writers who can speak to those things more than I can because my own experience is limited intersectionally. Um, But I do want people to understand that when you Google any bridal image, uh, it's going to be all white heterosexuals and that's not necessarily right or fair. And just to be mindful that when you're going through all these wedding planning motions, that there are a lot more alternatives. There's other ways to you know, see and receive this culture and that it's totally up to you to define that despite convention.
1: Yeah. We're the movers and the shakers. So take advantage of it. This is your opportunity. And it doesn't mean you have to do something crazy and well, you can do, whatever you want, be crazy, but it just do something that makes you feel comfortable. Not necessarily something that Martha Stewart wedding says you should do. I love you, Martha, but you don't know what's right or the not I mean look respect to all these things but they do pump out the same shit over and over again it's all pretty but it doesn't necessarily uh always veer towards exactly what we're talking about today
0: yeah if the feminist pride is anything it's unconventional and just a good source for something alternative
1: Well, and I and this is the best thing I think today I have no doubt and I would love I know we would both love your feedback on how you are you know not, I was going to say tackling, it's the wrong terminology, but how you are embracing, is a better word, your feminist principles. And I think people today will be listening going, I didn't even really know I was a feminist or I didn't even really think I was going to include some of this stuff in my wedding. And I hope that by the end uh, of this interview you sort of change your mind a little bit and try and, 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 and grasp some of these amazing sort of ideas that you've put forward. That's
0: my goal of this, of this little adventure we've been doing today. It's totally worthwhile and doable. It's easier than you think.
1: Oh, Amen. There it is. I what a delight to spend half an hour with you, lady. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing your wisdom and educating me. I've got so much more to learn. Just when I think I've talked about all the wedding stuff I can talk about, you come along.
0: Oh, well, thank you for having me. This is wonderful and I'm happy to talk to another feminist bride and bride chilla out there.
1: Oh my gosh, and we're happy to have you. And I feel like there's another conversation to be had. And I know I'd love to have you back to do a Q&A with me. I think that would be really exciting to be able to uh bring some bride chiller questions and groom chiller questions and uh get you to help me answer them because it's it's you know, it's great to have a different perspective and one that I agree with.
0: Yeah, maybe the name change.
1: Yeah well let's let's put that I've got a lot of answers to share with you so let's put that on the cards I'd love that Katrina where can people find you if they want more information
0: uh well you can find me at thefeministbride.com and I am also a visual artist so at katrinamiket.com you can find out a lot about the other work that I do as well can
1: you spell that just so everyone knows exactly how to find you
0: oh it's Katrina like the hurricane and it's M-A-J-K-U-T dot com.
1: Awesome. And I'm going to link to all of your various sites and also your social medias today uh, at save the date podcast dot com and you will be able to find more information. And uh just get your feminist on, ladies and gents. I, I always think feminism isn't just of course it's not just a female perspective, it's for everyone. So groom chillers, if you're listening, think about it a little bit more. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. You're amazing. Have a great week, my lovely bride chillers,
0: and happy days.